This is a uh, beautiful topic, sensitive topic. Uh, it's called uh, handling our singleness or unmarried status and how we look at that and how people look at that as well. So, uh, welcome to the group of uh, single and married and attached but very active people in life, right? <laughs> you can smile for that. <laughs> Superb. So, the topic today, I called it uh, single-mindedness. Regardless of our life condition and status, we need sometimes single-mindedness without being too compulsive or obsessive and linear, but being focused, right? Uh, so single-minded singleness means <coughs> uh, you, you focus the channels of our personality and then you get the, the, our worldview focused, our missions and vision focused without losing sight of the details because life is made of tiny things and large things. But the challenge is, regardless of where we are in life and what stage we are, is to sort the most important tasks and duties and callings and the passions from the less important and from the detailed. That's always my challenge for the last 50 years, and I keep doing that. So what you have uh, received is a brochure about my local global ministry, and it has my contact information. And I'll uh, be happy to send you this PowerPoint as a PDF just for your own uh, use. Please, no mass distribution and no posting online, because I also publish in academic journals and encyclopedias, both Christian and non-Christian, and I will develop this into a nice uh, document article at some point because this is, this is second time, third time I presented. And then uh, I have some handouts and articles listed, uh, posted online under my uh, profile in the website. I like always to prepare something comprehensive and give my friends a lot of resources. I have my, some more. I didn't post them all, uh, but I'll be happy to collect some more. And then if you email me, uh, then I will have your name and email and I can respond back. So to begin, maybe you can join me in a word of prayer and commit ourselves and our time to the Lord. Gracious Lord, we are thankful for your mercy and goodness. Uh, how grateful we are that you are our shepherd, our master, our counselor, king, savior, and friend. We commit ourselves to you and to the work of your grace right now. Be our teacher, be our uh, counselor, be our mentor. Guide us, lead us. Uh, continue to heal us, Lord, in areas of our need. Strengthen us in areas of our weakness and empower us in areas of our work and service. Thank you, Lord, because uh, you gather us from around the world, different uh, places and nations. You make us your disciples. You give us privilege to serve you and live for you and enjoy you forever. You understand us more than we understand ourselves. And uh, for that, we take comfort. Bless my friends here today. 
those who would like to come but could not. I pray blessing, peace, strength, and favor upon their lives. Help us, Lord, to continue the journey and be well faithful servants so we want to finish well and leave a good legacy. Bless all the sessions happening at this moment and we thank you and praise you in the strong and sweet name of our Lord Jesus Christ and all, all God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. <clears throat> Maybe you looked at some summary or abstract of this presentation, but to review a little bit what I would like to cover, and this is a like, three-hour workshop, but we'll try to give you an appetizer now, and uh, you can take some themes and research them and study them later. Basically, uh, I am presenting that there are a lot of advantages for being single-minded and lone person, unmarried, unattached, with close, tight responsibilities and families and relatives. Uh, even at work, you know, some people work two or three vocations. Uh, when we are involved in broader work, in kingdom work, in strategic endeavors, there are advantages that you collect your energy, your resources, and then move forward with less attachments, especially in the caring ministries. And any, I'm sure any one of you is a caregiver of some sort at some level. We all are counselors in some way, some, some levels. We all are healers and helpers and pastors and shepherds. Yet, there are some disadvantages as well, challenges, obstacles for this lifestyle that runs parallel to living an uh, unmatched and focused life. It's, uh, we have a special socio-cultural relational lifestyle status. So now we're trying to def define or redefine the terminology that is connected with this lifestyle. And I'm sure many of you have heard and then have seen and then talked and then people bothered you with some questions. Oh, are you still single? Oh, how come you're not married? And have you found some uh, significant other? Why not? You know, somebody like you, attractive and educated and so forth. And so forth and, and, and on and on. So sometimes you look at the ceiling, sometimes you smile, sometimes you are rough, sometimes you take jokes, but uh, labels, terminologies, descriptions, uh, I would like to break that because uh, terms have meanings and labels have power, so we need to break the power of that. Basically, you are regular people, you are normal, right? I always say... <laughs> You're not alien, you're not coming from another planet, so I'm not coming from another planet, so what? Some people ask me, oh, you have an accent, where are you from? I said, how come you're jumping, telling, asking me this without introducing yourself or say hello, or may I ask you? So you have an accent, I need to know. I said, well, you have an accent too. <laughs> I didn't ask you, you know. So sometimes it takes a little bit to... Uh, be courageous and answer with a question. So, uh, not minimizing the frustrations. You know, every lifestyle has frustrations, have challenges, mental, emotional, unpleasant experiences. You know, some uh, longing, aching, 
never fulfilled, regardless where you are, how you are. Always, and this side, this side of eternity, will always have longings and aching. And we have to learn to live with those. And also there are some common temptations. Common temptations. We need to realize and recognize those and then prepare ourselves not to fall in them quite often. And the skill of living, let me say it a different way, the skill of meeting some of our needs in a healthy way and the skill of living and learning how to manage our unmet needs and not be too distressed and frustrated with them. Before I forget, let me throw to you this line that I use it quite a bit. We can, you can meet all of your needs mm, part of the time. You can meet uh, some of your needs all the time. But you cannot meet all of your needs all the time. That's true for everybody along the journey of life. So we also are going to highlight some positive gains and uh, leading perspective advantages and uh, achievements that a single lifestyle can have and enjoy. And finally, a little bit about resiliency, how to increase our resilient power and empowerment by God's grace, because when we are weak, then we are strong, and uh, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Is it possible for unmarried person, quote-unquote single, uh, to cope well and survive well? Is it possible for us to even strive and, and thrive well? Is it possible to flourish or not? So that's a mindset. You know, we have to include that in our paradigm and in our faith uh, repertoire. So it is possible for us to thrive and strive and flourish with powerful mindset, constructive hope, and evident resiliency. As we engage on personal level with multitude of other people, and as we engage some of us on a global level with high network and kingdom work and serving on the front line, so it's possible that you may become and you may be right now people looking at you as role model without you realizing. They're looking how you're handling stress, how you're resolving conflict, how you're handling crises and relationships and your time and your composure. And it is, it is possible that we become influencers, not only influenced people. We need both. We need mentors and elders and sages to influence us all the time. And then, in turn, we start influencing others and sharing the expertise with them that the Lord has. Uh, that's the citation, if later on you want to quote anything from here. But we'll move to say, therefore, virtually unmarried people, us, like us, are full human beings. Okay, we need to set the, straight, the, the record straight. Uh, do we have full faculties or, or half faculties? Are we subhuman sub or fully human or superhuman? You know, some singles, you know, think that we are superwomen, supermen. No, 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 no. Uh, so we have full possibilities, right? We have platform for full connections and networking, which is the important word, word in God's kingdom, networking 
and synergy, you know, working together. So we can live a productive life and meaningful life. Okay? And don't let a dark side of your mind tell you elsewhere. So we have to watch our thought pattern, what goes around and what pops in, what messages may be heard from others or what we may say to ourselves when we are self-pity and down. And then, uh, Not all our thoughts brain produces are healthy and constructive. So we need to accommodate the healthy, positive and constructive thoughts and messages and scripts and we need to push aside the others. Don't fight them, but tell them, I don't have room for you right now. Leave me alone right now. They come back, you tell them, I don't have it. I don't leave it. And then focus on something else. Someone said, you cannot prevent black birds from flying over your head, but you can prevent these black birds of building a nest on your head. Then, regardless of your marital status and social status and past history and cultural heritage, all of us, life is meant to be double two-faced coin. Life is meant to be endured at times and then enjoyed at times. Sometimes both, pleasure and pain, suffering and glory. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ uh, symbolized in his incarnation. You know, in divinity and humanity, grace and the truth, law and compassion, justice and mercy, right? Suffering and glory. Those are not opposite polarities, even though some people cannot understand the Christian faith, they see it's too much, you know, contradiction. Those are positive tensions. And as a mature person, regardless if you are never married, if you have been married and then widowed or divorced, or if you decide to be unmarried for a season or for life, it's very important to uh, learn how to enjoy life and endure life. Because... Uh, there is a principle in our spiritual journey, and I borrow that from one of the statements of faith, that the ultimate purpose of a human being as a believers, as believers is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Glorify God, enjoy Him forever. And this side of eternity and the other side of eternity. Make sense? So, I covered the, the other ones, like a humor that were not coming from uh, outer space. <laughs> now, not all attached people, married people, have it together, or they're content in their relationship. I'm trained as a clinical psychologist. I was a minister before, and I trained in theology and biblical studies, and then before that in some technology and cultural studies, philosophy. So I am a man of inter interdisciplinary, man of all seasons. That's my model. Uh, I've done hundreds of couples therapies and marital therapy. And I tell you sometimes, I leave those and say, I'm not missing much. <laughs> Amazing, you know. Both are dedicated believers. And then, so, anyway, not all people are the same. You know, I also travel abroad and then spend three, four months uh, every year in my home country, Lebanon, the land of the cedars. 
and sometimes travel uh, somewhere else. So we were in Sri Lanka helping some people from Pakistan, young leaders converted from non-Christian background, want to learn about Christianity. They have traumas and losses. And, uh, so combine all these together. Uh, not everybody is content fully. And there are some struggles, you know, uh, some relationships. Some of you are going to end up married. And then your marriage is going to be high maintenance. Some of you are going to be married and then be smooth, you know. And some others, you know, unfortunately will end in divorce. That's statistics, you know. And some others probably will never uh, be uh, married. And then you may feel like I'm missing a big deal. No, because you are married spiritually, emotionally, mentally, culturally already because you are part of a network and you are part of intimate relationships, and uh, you are part of the church, which is the bride of Christ. So there is no pure single singleness, unless you want to float alone in the universe, you know, and say, me, myself, and I, and then build a castle around myself. Not all, I tell them there, you know, not all, here they think, you know, Middle Eastern, Arab are the same, and Muslims say, no. Are all Americans the same? No. So, it's important to qualify what we are dealing with and then terminology. So marital status is just one aspect. Because sometimes frustrated singles, and I, I was few few times here and there, not much. You know. uh, some people are very, very surprised I'm still single. And okay, I can appreciate that, but I really uh, never pursued marriage. I miss a lot of opportunities because I'm busy, always busy studying, serving, working, working, studying, serving. Later, later, later. So, at times I feel lonely, but quickly transform it into aloneness rather than loneliness. I learned that skill by God's grace. That I'm alone with my thoughts, ideas, memories, with the Lord, with his angels, with my duties, list to do, and then I've wide network of friends, you know, here and abroad. I can pick up the phone and email and then do this. So, loneliness becomes learned behavior if we practice it. And many people who are in large groups but are very lonely. So, a social person is only worth the value of his or her relationships, meaningful relationships, network, and sense of community, which is disappearing in, in North, North, North America, sense of community, what is that? There is the individual, the family unit, small one, and the society at large. Some of you who served abroad, you know that extended family, friends, relatives, neighbors, and so forth, elders are part of organic uh, community. We need to reinvent it here as well, really. So, we will never become cohesive self until we become social self. And we won't become a Christian cohesive self until we become a kononia self, community, communion, which Christ came to, to organize. Do you have a kononia? Do you build a small, intimate community you know, you're part of? You feel, this is my family. This is my soulmate. Why? Because the agony of the 21st century is not... Poverty, especially in the West. You know the first, first agony, first epidemic in the, in, the, in the Western nations? Is loneliness. Deprivation. 
like another person say, disconnectivity. Disconnectivity. That's the. That's why, in North America, affluent, powerful, everything, uh, commodity. They need the most number of counselors and psychologists and some psychiatrists in the world. The consumer here is extreme, and then graduate school cannot, you know, enough. And they talk about mental health after coronavirus. Yeah, mental. People are struggling with depression, anxiety. Why? Because we're wearing masks. What a big deal, trauma of wearing masks or, you know, standing in line. That's, this is a trauma. Are you another country, and I've been another country, they have multiple crises and so forth, and the coronavirus is on top, like minute, you know. But here we exaggerate things because we expect comfortable life. We expect all our needs should be met. This is why the mistake that some people enter marriage expecting all of their needs will be met all the time. And when those needs stop mating or their passion cools off, so you don't mean enough to me anymore. I want out. And some states, you know, came up with this irreconcilable uh, divisions or uh, differences enough for divorce. What are these? Never mind, it's abstract. (laughs) So... How can you build a kononia to yourself? That is a challenge. And a beauty. So we all exist on individual level and communal level. This is in the literature. uh, We call it individualism versus collectivism. Uh, Those are limited terms as well. But the meaning is... uh, We need to become an individual person, self. But I see the disadvantage uh, of some social values in North America or industrialized uh, nations where they try to push someone out of the circle when they are young adult. <coughs> Go be on your own as is, this is your route to womanhood and manhood. Uh, I question that. And now they're starting to see that is because emotionally you may not separate from your parents or elders, even if you move away. Or sometimes you're living under the same roof and you don't get alone. So, me, myself, and I, self-reliance, autonomy, and privacy, and independence, those are social values in many industrialized. But when you go to warm cultures, and some of you have served maybe abroad, and you see, oh, the we is more important than the I. The us together is more important Right? And as you go far east, that becomes way, way on the higher echelon. So, it's important to keep both. And then, uh, you know, in Christianity, everything is cross-shaped. And then circled, sphere-shaped. God created the universe in spheres. So, I like those, very much those shapes. You know, you have the sphere and the cross inside. We all are. We relate to the Lord upward. We relate to ourselves downward. And the more we know ourselves, the more we know God, the more can we relate to others. If we don't relate well to ourselves, we've been injured or traumatized, then when we relate to others who are healthy, help us to repair the image. And when we relate to God as God the Father, helps us with our uh, injured images, corrupt images from parenthood and other teachers and so forth. So those work together, see? 
So we run in the orbits of everybody, every, each other. See, so there is no really the term single as singularity. There is a theory of singularity about the universe. I follow some of these parallel universe and an infinite universe and singularity, and I don't know what is gravity either. So singleness not like singularity, and then you are universe on your own. No. We are part of, integral part of local tribe and of a global movement. So by definition, the status of single adulthood, if you want to call it, or being unmarried, is not a deficit. Okay? You explain that to others. It's not a defect. Let's read them together. I have a lot of these here. Okay? Number one, it's not a deficit, defect, devalue, desolation, depreciation, disorganization, disorder, disintegration, or any other D like disorientation and disqualification. Bravo. Good for you. <laughs> and you can add to this D, D symphony if you like. So, at times in society and in churches, they give you this classification. Oh, single. Oh, really? Oh, what is this all, you know? You have the children, you know, you have the children is accepted population, you know, married accepted, seniors accepted, but single, we don't know what to do with you, you know. <laughs> we are a subculture on your own. So, we have to challenge these terminologies and classification. Say, hey, you're a human being, you're people, we are people, we are a human being. See, regardless of your role and affiliation in life, you're in Christ, I'm in Christ. And then let's relate on that. So you are, you are regular people, normal, balanced, and quite able, and capable. Not awkward or lacking, you see, sometimes you, you may feel, you start feeling that, yeah, I may be lacking, because I don't have a man sit beside me during worship or help me with the chores around the house or go do visitation with or share my day with. Okay. Do you have any other human being in your life you can include and involve? Could you become integral part of a uh, network? And now with the texting, you know, you text someone. I have a close, close physician friend of mine also single, never married, in Minnesota. Text me all the time. And he needs a lot of social support sometimes. So we text each other, you know. And I have prayer, prayer supporters group. I call them intimate prayer group. Sometimes I send them an email or send them this. Because we, we, we have a need to share. We have a need to expand and, ex and project ourselves. There's a, the choice is where. And many couples who live on the same roof or parent children, they don't share with each other well. They don't relate well. So don't feel that you're missing terribly. But be sure that you are in the will of the Lord and His own timing and then following His passion and faithful to what you feel and believe is your uh, vision in life. And then we'll leave the results to Him. We give to Him the frustration. We give to Him the agonies. We give to Him the longing. And always, many times, I submitted myself, and like on a platter of silver, I put my feelings, thoughts, emotions, and like an apple of gold, say, Lord, these I commit to you, because I'm struggling with them. 
You understand me more than you understand me. Help me. And then I move on, you see. And then get busy with something else. Don't make a pity party and then... Uh, don't watch too many romantic f- movies and then... Uh, <laughs> And then see people holding hands and say, oh, look what I'm missing, poor me, and so forth. No, because they may fight, you know, 15 minutes after that. (laughs) So you are free to gravitate around other human beings and spheres and have significant others, unlimited, special colleagues, and you can manage life well. Both, you can enrich others and be open to be enriched by others. Okay. You can nurture others and allow yourself to be nurtured by others. And that is one of the mark of healthy self. is to be alone and be content and be with people, be content. I spend a lot of time alone because I, each time I travel, I follow up. I have to reorient and get settled. I have to catch up. I have to plan ahead. I write for publications. And sometimes... I would like you right now, you know, I would quickly adopt you as my family, and I feel very comfortable. Some people say, don't you feel anxious before speaking? I said, the only time I feel really anxious when I don't feel uh, uh, any anxiety, like 5% or 2%, because I want to perform well. But feeling anxiety so low, by God's grace, been doing hundreds of times and so forth. But you know how to you know connect quickly, nicely with others. Avoid being mechanical in personal in your relation. Even when you're talking with customer service, even when you're talking with anyone on the, in the store, I always says hello. If they have a name, I call them by name. How is your day? Before we do, and their eyes open. Hopefully you're having a good day. And if I'm talking on the phone, how are you going today? Where are you based? Uh, hopefully your weather is nice. And we move to talk business. So when you establish personal connection, bonding, that's the human element. You stop being mechanical, impersonal, you know, this and that. And the level of maturity is also to be open to give and to receive almost reciprocally and then evenly and then... Uh, uh, nicely. Some people only they like to give and offer. Some they want to receive, receive, and they drain you. So that's, that's part of uh, being a healthy self or healthy ego or healthy person, persona or healthy human being. And there are a lot of long lists. I have it somewhere. You know, I don't remember it now. But, uh, uh, and maturity is not a destination. we always moving and improving ourselves, developing and progressing. So bringing the mutual experiences, collaborative experience, collective experience. I learned from elderly so many times because I love elder people. I ask them questions. I don't want to repeat their their, their mistakes. So I learned from them quite a bit. Uh, To open ourselves up and uh, integrate in a synergy way not like being, oh, take me and mold me because I don't know who, who I am. No, I know who I am by God's grace. So the, the, we are called to become seasoned and mature along the journey. And to be uh, even-tempered and uh, well-influenced, influencing and nurtured and nurturing. And this way life can be, become rich. 
though not easy. I always say at the end, and I may want to say it to you at the end, I wish you a always a rich journey, even though it may not be always easy. And that's life. True? All right. So when we consider the life and work and service of one man or one woman, can they be significant? You know, many high heroes in history, they were one man, one woman. And I have heroes like that. I'll show you one of them. See? So don't think, you know, I will not be able to function unless I have a better half. See? So you put your life on hold. On hold. Who knows what, how long we have to live? Who knows what history is going to unfold? So, so there are different areas and perspectives and layers and dimensions. And you can read those, give you an idea of the different <coughs> repertoires each one of us have. And different functions and layers and dimensions and spheres. And to move on. This is one of my heroes, Dr. John Stott. Who, who heard of Dr. John Stott? Yeah. He's a British, but he's a global uh, scholar and pastor and theologian and leader. Uh, he's never, never got married. Maybe he was open occasionally, but he didn't pursue it. But he would have weekly tea with special ladies from his church. One afternoon tea with the ladies, and he needs to hear a woman's perspective, hear a woman's voice, be with them, you know. He said, it has been said that the best candidate for company or marriage is not frustrated single, but a content, balanced, anchored, at ease person. An unmarried adult is like an institution by himself and herself. So... We benefit from other people's legacy, and we hope to leave a unique legacy on our own. Recently, I was reading and researching a little bit because I want to expand this topic about singleness, and I come across this Indian-born medical physician and theological professor uh, who teaches in Texas somewhere, and then there was an article, that's the title, and then I, I saw a little interview, and he said, I feel I have the gift of celibacy. Hmm. That's powerful. And he called it ecclesiastical singleness. <laughs> Fancy term, right? And then what turned my attention that he had these four aspects of his life. He said, I'm single by choice, not by default, not by chance. By choice. And I'm single, determined for life. Close the door completely. And then I'm single unto Christ. That's my focus. That's my higher virtue and goal. And I'm single in community, not alone or isolated. See? Well, those are, I thought, nice to share with you. So now, let's turn our attention to your role as a caregiver which could imply several, two or three or more of these roles and uh, labels and uh, descriptions in two columns. Some of us are physicians, nurses, uh, humanitarian workers, administrators, pastors, teachers, social workers, activists, healers, counselors, see? So, 
how many of these you are. And could you add some more to be more effective? Could you improve yourself in some of these so become more effective? And that leads to talk about how do you handle challenges and stress of the ministry, of the job, of the relationships, etc. Right? And stress is not stress or stress, stressors and stresses. There, there are two types. There are actually negative stress, stresses that put us down. There are some that energize us, but also consuming on our physiology and brain and soul. And I have examples of them here. Right? You can see them. Examples of the de-stresses and examples of the eustresses. Some people thrive on eustresses because their adrenaline will, will, will uh, pump, you know, and their glands will move and then always, you know, want to always be... No, we're not called to burn ourselves. And I'm going to talk a little bit about burnout in, in our service. This diagram describes our many domains of our human personality and life and ministry and functions. On top is we are spiritual being, and that's our spiritual core and circle. Now look at that carefully and tell me, tell yourself, in which areas you're putting a lot of attention and focusing and growing, maintaining healthy balance, and which areas you're get growing weak and deficit and neglecting. And some you're growing as a giant, some people, and some others as a dwarf. And they leave it for years like that. We will not be able to attend to all these spheres and dimensions at once. We have to be selective. But there are seasons in life. You focus on three or four for a few months, and then other three or four later on, other three or four, depending on the demands and the season of life. Does that make sense? Yes? Good. We'll move on. Socrates says, know thyself, became a virtue in, in Greek philosophy. The Apostle Paul said to his disciple Timothy, pay attention to yourself. In the book of Psalms, in the book of Proverbs, we read about something like that as well. So, how do we increase our self-awareness without becoming hyper and too much self-consumed and obsessed with our moves and shape and form and, you see, how do I look, how do I sound? Just healthy self-introspection, evaluation, examination, looking inside, right? And the scripture calls us to do that. Uh, this is the triangle that is easy. You always, at some point, when you want to discover what is the situation outside you and inside you, ask yourself, first of all, what am I thinking right now? Okay. What is the situation outside? What the cues and signals and people and dynamics? And then inside, how am I impacted? What's happening in my mind? Uh, what goes in my mind right now? Interpretations, memories, messages, uh, voices. And second, how am I feeling? You know, I'm feeling anxious, frustrated, angry, upset, sad, um, etc. Uh, and then, what am I doing? Uh, am I sitting tight on the chair? On the chair? Am I t- tipping my foot? Am I biting my fingernails? Am I going to the fridge to eat something? You know, I'm, I'm going uh, to call someone and complain. Uh, 
So, these are happening sometimes at the same time. One triggers the others. It sometimes happen. Now, let's flip the coin and say, if you want to change one, one or two of these, what can you do? Uh, for example, if you're feeling down, feeling tight, stressed out, uh, and you're saying to yourself, I, I don't like this to continue this, you know, and, and, and feeling uh, cornered, say, this is what I will do. I'll take a break, go for a fast walk around the block, breathe deep, listen to some music later on, and then come back and then continue. That will change your physiology, the brain firing, and your, your thought pattern and so forth. If, for example, you see yourself starting doing an unhealthy behavior, tendency toward dependency or addictions or whatever, you can say, oh, let me stop catch myself, and I stop myself. And then I change what I'm doing. I call it the three C's. You catch yourself, you uh, cancel what you're doing, and you convert what you're doing, do something else in order to replace that behavior. If we have time, I'll ask you to do a list, two lists on a sheet of paper. One, write down all your positive qualities, and the other's negative qualities. Your gifts and talents versus your areas of need and need improvement and things that bothers you about yourself and others. Uh, so you would know your strengths and weaknesses, the power and the lacking, the skills and the needs. And sometimes these keep adding to this list through the weeks and see which one gets longer, which one gets shorter. And... To bring that to a cross-cultural service and world, when we serve cross-culturally on the front line in different uh, communities or countries, there are a lot of rewards, really. Uh, one of them is sense of joy and accomplishment and wonderful collaborations with nationals and locals and making new friends and eating new foods and then having learning new habits and customs and uh, talking and connecting and, and having kisses on the cheek, you know, and sweets and gifts. Deep peace and deep fellowship. Uh, and that nurtured the soul, really. And I hear a lot from singles who can have a wonderful network if they're serving in among different communities here or abroad there, how they're not restricted in time and with their husband or wife and their children and have to go all together or leave them. So also there is aspiration, high aspiration. You get energy from them, you give them energy. That's enthusiasm. You will experience that. And also experience like Christ experience, sense of immediacy. The Gospel of Mark always. When time is, is right, time said, Christ, let's move on. Let's move here. There was an immediacy without being compulsive. And you're part of a global movement, and there is a sense of contentment and satisfaction. That is priceless. And you hear a lot of good feedback, and then especially for people who are praying for you as well. And if you are a caregiver, then you know how to be uh, compassionate. And sometimes... Uh, some of you may be over-empathizers. That means you empathize way too much. You extend yourself way deep. And that causes you to become 
burn out or you fuse yourself in others. You don't know how to separate, how to detach uh, sometimes. Most uh, helping professions, people burn out the first few years, nurses, teachers, physicians, counselors, because they cannot separate. They want to help. And, they, and when we go to Christian service, we, we are uh, empathizers. But there's under empathizers as well, those who remain detached, you know, alienated, no passion, no connection, mechanical. So pray the Lord will give you wisdom when how to attach and empathize and when detach to some degree and uh, focus on something else and continue praying for those. And that's also same compassion fatigue. And those are the spheres where sometimes they overlap and no one is immune of experiencing some level of depression, some level of anxieties and you know agitation and uh, burnout and acute stress and so forth. Uh, but we watch. We watch ourselves and then we try to do something about them. That's the self-awareness. Also, as a uh, unattached, unmarried, focusing, sometimes we are tempted to super-focus, as I said earlier. But we are called to remain healthy and to remain efficient. Meaning, Prevention is better than intervention. An ounce of prevention is better than a, a ton of intervention. And that's the word in Arabic, if some of you know how to read Arabic. I know one lady does. <laughs> in Arabic it says, Dirham wiqaya. Dirham, a penny, like the widow put her two dirham, penny, and the, that's the dirham. One dirham of being careful and, and of uh, pre-cure is better than contar, tons, tons of treatment and healing and so forth. That's true in our time management, true in our health management, true in our relationship management, true in our details of life, chores and monies and duties and True in our distractions. You know, I have never seen a global worker lazy or don't have much to do. But sometimes what we are tempted to do is, because we have so much, whatever comes, our eyes falls on them, we grab it and start doing it, but we leave the most important. And that we taking care, you know, taking uh, replace that, so we fall behind on the major things. So the skill is to know what is the super important versus the less important. Because we always are engaged in something important, right? We are important people serving into important Lord, important kingdom. And the serenity management, don't forget to care for yourself. We call it self-care, that means soul care. Self-care, I don't want selfishness, you know, self-centeredness, but soul care is very important. Uh, come with me to a quiet place and rest for a while. And these are some common temptations. I'm not going to go over them. Look at them briefly and then uh, think what are some of the most areas you may be tempted and uh, no soul is perfect is complete we hold we have holes in the soul like any castle has some holes in the 
uh, walls around it, but we want to close as many holes as possible and pay attention to our vulnerability and not put ourselves in a place where we are vulnerable and we can fall or make mistakes easily. Okay? Many leaders fall, and the fall is, is huge because they didn't pay attention to the small flags. So becoming a global citizen by yourself, uh, an effective cross-cultural worker, that's great because you're going to build networks and not only one network. And I know so many married people with families are limited in their international work because they have to homeschool and, and take care of this and that. So the impact is... So you have a platform. You have an advantage. So make sure to enjoy that one as long as it lasts. And I have three slides about practical suggestion uh, to share with you. But uh, before I say, go through them quickly, uh, and if you don't have time, I can send them to you. But uh, let's take some time and discuss and share. There's nothing after 5 o'clock unless you have a box of uh, sandwich to eat that can wait. That's less important to the most important topic of healthy singleness. You're learning fast. You see, you're a good audience. <laughs> yes. Uh, any thought, discussion, question? Let's hear. Uh, <clears throat> do you relate? What do you relate mostly to uh, these concepts? And uh, yes, ma'am. Do you regret? Pardon? Do I regret for not being married? You're very bold. <laughs> If I'm not e at ease with standing in front of people, you, uh, that's a strong question, deep question. I like deep questions. I like deep, in a natural way. She said, smile and personal. Already we have, a, you know, the bonding relationship. That's beautiful. I do not regret, but I would use another term. I feel sorry sometimes, uh, and I would wonder how my life would be different if I have a wife, companion, and maybe children, I can train them so they can continue the work I started. So I wonder sometimes, and uh, I uh, feel that I missed opportunities. I recognize that. I admit that, you see. So I take some of the blame and credit. I don't blame life and God and so forth. However, I turned the coin and then said, well, of course, I struggled alone. I could have used a good partner and help, and we care for each other. We enjoy a lot of meals together, and, and she can help me with a lot of... I do the minor things from photocopying this to thinking deep, and then we can enjoy some intimacy. But maybe I would not be able to be as free and produce so much and impact so much by God's grace. So I said... Lord, I don't understand, but I continue to commit myself. If you put a young lady in my way and be impressed on me and on her, help us to recognize each other and feel. Otherwise, maybe it's not worth it. Uh, we can continue the journey and then in, uh, in eternity we'll be busy and satisfied in different things. And I don't subscribe that 
people who were married here don't recognize themselves. It won't be some kind of couple there. They would be, but they won't be new marriages because nobody has the need to. But love is love here. We come perfected love there. Affection become perfected affection and so forth. Uh, so, I don't do vacations much. I work late at night. I put in, and then I, like nomads, stay here and there. If I have a wife and she's not as missionary-minded, as international adventurous, I have to cut down a lot. And many people said, Naji, you will never get married because no woman will put up with your lifestyle. <laughs> they think I'm a compulsive on this. No. I do a lot. I like to be involved in a lot, but not in a uh, uptight way. Rarely I'm anxious or rarely I'm stressed, you know. I do miss a uh, companion sometimes, yes. However, I learned to say myself, okay, Najee, you don't have everything that you would like to enjoy, but you have plenty. So to remind yourself about what plenty you have can compensate a little bit about what we don't have, instead of dwelling on all that. You're welcome. Is that good enough? I went a little bit further down the trail, you know. <laughs> yes. Any other thought or share? Yes, ma'am. Your joy, right? I met you the first hour I came here. Yes, joy. Could you speak louder? and then? Very good. You caught on that. Very good. Because I threw a lot of nuggets of gold, and some of them are technical. Uh, yes. So, to ask you, is there a difference, quickly, in your mind, between the word loneliness and aloneness? Being alone or being lonely? Is there a difference? If there is a difference, then let's cultivate that difference. Which is better? Which is worse? Which is more struggle? Loneliness or aloneness? Loneliness. Therefore, let's make something positive out of aloneness. How can be alone and content? See? Uh, lonely has a negative tone. Aloneness means I'm alone. Not necessarily. I maybe have four wives, but I'm alone for now. <laughs> See? <laughs> If I'm, Ira- if I'm Iraqi and Shiites, I'm up, up to four wives, and then I, but now I'm alone, you know, under the tent. Uh, to which wife shall I run? <laughs> no. You see? So what we say to ourselves is extremely important. That's the power of inner dialogue, power of self-talk. Watch your self-talk. Watch your, and what you make out of that. So, if you say... Oh, I'm lonely. Okay. Lonely means I don't have anyone around me. I don't have someone to share with. Okay, what can I do about that? Until the queen shows up, <laughs> let me call someone. See? Until your prince charming shows up, you know, if you want to be humorous with yourself. Call a friend. Call a relative. Do something. Reach out in order to break that... Uh, dry moment, and then have little vitamin of uh, connecting and relating and sharing. Even for two minutes, that makes sense. You know, when you go to the store, talk with someone in the store. That meets the need for social interaction. 
I mean, digital connections so forth, those are not relationship, you know. They are supplements, but they're not, they're connections, but they're not real relationship. We need soul to soul, heart to heart, eye to eye, person to person. Yes, very good question. And then you can say to yourself, I'm alone with whom? You're alone with your past, your present, and your future. Converging at the moment. You're alone with the Lord, the Spirit. Maybe the angel he assigned to you to protect you from harm, to comfort you is there. Uh, All your aspirations are there. All the lists, what you would like to do and accomplish is there. Uh, All your potential is there. See? Uh, All your treasures are there. So, memories and ideas, etc. So, the existential moment, the here and now, is very powerful. Yes? Um, so I've, I've uh, served for 23 years uh, overseas as a, as a non-married person. Where? And, where? Uh, in Kosovo, the country of Kosovo. Yeah, I would say I served abroad or international because overseas means here is the center and everything else is overseas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, sure. It's a footnote, you know, but yeah. I have never, I have not heard that. Arabic, they use the term... Right. Right. You know, most languages have multiple terms for every aspect and every item. In Arabic, they call binet, means unmarried. Uh, Sit is a married, you know, is a a missus, you know. So, uh, it's not a less, but, you know, when some, they value marriage as the ultimate destiny for everyone, and that's the norm. But you know what? Even in societies that they value the families and marriage and having children, if you, don't, if you marry, don't have children. You're always lacking. Or people nagging you, right? Nagging. So you're never, you know, off the hook. But now, with, after coronavirus, after the economic troubles, after all the disasters, and after the changing of climate and the wars and the drought, this and that, people are in survival mode. So these stigmas have diminished considerably. Each time I go to Lebanon, my neighbors, my friends, and my family, uh, my older sisters, they stopped saying anything. My mother wanted me 
but she passed and died. That's the only desire she had. She, but she never pressured me. I always tell them I have chosen lifestyle to give myself um, out and much. And that's very rewarding to me, see. Uh, one time in, in some social circles, they uh, ask me because they think, you know, that I'm married. Uh, because they feel, they say you project yourself as very content, very complete, you know. You seem like you have it together. I heard it indirectly several. So by God's grace, say, where is your wife? Uh, one time, uh, most, many times I said, I really don't know. You don't know where's your wife? No. <laughs> so they thought, you know, something, you know. Is there any, everything all right? Say, so, yeah, everything is okay. <laughs> but I don't know where's your wife. Later on, you know, we say, you know, I, I have never, I, I did not meet my wife. So, uh, something like that. Yeah, we need to use a humor, but not sarcastic human to put them back down, but formulate something and then have some already scenario answers in your mind to, to say when the time comes. For example, so you receive a phone call, awkward time, you're focusing and you cannot and the person is talking to What do you say? And then sometimes you don't say anything. So if you have some these pre-existing statements, you say, uh, excuse me, I'm so glad you called. I wish I have more time to visit with you. Let's continue another time. I would focus now back on something else. Okay, goodbye. They continue, say it again. So some, something like that, you know. Uh, when I meet someone new, I make a point to say, I'm honored to meet you. They don't say much, I'm honored here, but I like to include this because I grew up with that. It's still in. Yes, yeah, good, good points. Anyone else? about what's so-called dating or uh, courting. I, I'd rather say you need friendships, general and special friendships, with all types of characters, people, and ages. The most important thing is define the relationship early. And then later on, keep defining that. Keep checking. Say. I would enjoy, uh, this is another line I have. If I meet a female lady, and I have a lot of female friends and colleagues, and we do things together, and, then, and a lot we do in groups as well. But with those female friends, uh, they, they feel like we are family uh, people together. We are like uh, uh, brother, sister, and colleague, and uh, uh, people who are known each other for long. We can uh, really be close. Without the... Sens sensational and lustful or sexual element. And uh, if I feel some of that, I step back and then 
recalibre myself. But with them, always would say, I would enjoy, you know, meeting with you and then having lunch or dinner. And many times we, we share a lot. And I enjoy this friendship. And let's pray. I always include prayer. You know, ask the Lord to pray our friendship and our relationship. Thank the Lord for that. And thank them for their being part of my life and support and then feel like family. So that set the tone, you see. But when you have ambiguity, and then if someone in need and they like you, they start building hope. So when you sense that, Revisit. Say, I really enjoy, you know, spending some time with you on a uh, friendship base, general base, generic base. But uh, I don't feel the Lord is leading me to anything else. So we want to be clear, you know, if they kind of like me. That leads us to talk about dating because you're very eligible for the so-called dating here, right? And then thing. I don't use the word dating. It's not in my vocabulary. I challenge that when someone uses it. Why? Because in, in this society, and then it's becoming spread around the world, dating could mean anything to anyone and at any level. If you meet with someone for coffee once a week, you're dating. If you sleep with someone twice a day in your apartment, I'm dating. I have a boyfriend here once a week. I have a boyfriend, girlfriend here. It's confusing, you see. So I say... Relationships and friendships are levels. Uh, we have general friendships and relationships. We have special ones we can share in. And we have very intimate ones when we pray and they, they know us. And those are very inner circle. But uh, courting, yes. When you have someone in mind and the Lord is leading and you feel that you have a lot in common and then you like each other and you have similar mentality, visions and passions and uh, you start developing that and nurturing that and then sharing and are you open you know for marriage do you feel the lord uh, would uh, want you to consider and uh, i really like this and this and this about you uh, would you consider and then start courting that is purposeful but what is dating you see so uh, be careful and uh, what another thing i've noticed that people are serving on the front line or in a cross-cultural way or another community or out of their setting, they don't know how to handle their needs and their relationship needs. So anyone they propose to them, they start, you know, and then start spending a lot of time with them and their colleagues say, hey, be careful. And many married so quickly and they regret it. So be careful. So define relationship, don't deprive yourself, you know. You seem to be a very nice lady if you want us to, you know, meet and more and then have coffee and eat, you know, talk some more and then support each other. Why not? We are part of the global body. And then we can understand each other and support and enjoy each other more. Especially uh, too many married people don't have time and so forth. So we need each other. But we uh, clarify that and then we set the tone for that. Nothing wrong with liking someone and testing the ground, see? And uh, if uh, that is feasible with both and you take your time and then check the background, see the people and their natural functioning to know how they act and react and so forth. But don't wait until something magic happens to start living your life. 
I learned that like 30 years ago or more. Yes, so I'm not going to go through my uh, list, long list, but I'll show them, show them to you so open your appetite. After this, these are some of the practical suggestions I've gathered uh, through the months and years. You see, I have one page, two, three, four. See? Tiny, tiny print. Oh, you're taking pictures? Okay. This is the first, the first list here. The first prescription. Okay. Tell me when you're done. Done? This is the second. Oh, look at the cell phones. You're boosting my ego. Done? Okay, third. The third is a charm. More hands up. Look at that. Superb. Okay, so this is now a, uh, a, uh, a co communal activity. Let's read that together, all right? The Bible also says, The Lord be the exalted who delights in the well-being of his servants. Psalm 35. And finally... Let us press on and say with the Apostle Paul, I can, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us and me. Amen. And finally, the serenity prayer. God, grant me to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And all God's people said Amen. Lord bless you and keep you and shine his face upon you and then comfort you and give you his favor and his presence and then keep up the good work, the good, good spirit. Press on. May your journey be always rich, even though it may not be always easy. Thank you very much. I enjoyed greatly being with you today.